Well, good morning, Spruce Grove Community Church. Are we ready to worship our King this morning? That's not so bad. Well, why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't you shake someone's hand around you, say hello, and let's get ready to seek our King and give everything we have today. You know, I know we love to warm up to things, right? And I wonder what it was like when, you know, you're actually in the middle of combat. I mean, how many times, you know, during the Civil War or the European conquest that the soldiers, you know, they didn't, they weren't able to take their time to rouse themselves to go to battle. You know, when your enemies are upon you, it's like what you feel like is immaterial. And we are engaged in a warfare that often we do not perceive. Often we do not see. And so we delay our engagement. But there is power. There's power in your words. There's power in our melodies. I love that. My, my melody is a weapon. My melody is a weapon. Not the person who wrote this song, but we who sing this song. My melody is a weapon. Your voice is a weapon. The fountainhead of the kingdom of God is in the sound of people that believe and speak and sing and shout and declare. And that's why Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and life. So we're learning. Amen. And as we, as we engage, as we get better at this, as we believe, the effect of our sound will continue to increase, starting with our own freedom. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It's appropriate that this flame is burning up behind us. Just before it came on, I saw a scene from my youth. I grew up on military bases, and I'd often fly with CF-5s and Voodoos, and these are some of the uh, CF-105s, some of our jets, and then the, I think it was F-18 or F-15 later on. But there's two sources uh, the way the, the combustion jet engine works, and I couldn't explain the technical part, but there's the regular flow, and then there's the afterburner. And the afterburner is something that kicks in when you really need power, when you really want to escalate or make a, you know, get away from something. And uh, all of a sudden I saw that for believers we have two sources of power. we got regular power that comes from our soul, but then you've got the afterburners. And the regular power, it's what we tend to go to. It's our easiness. It's our default. And when you're resisting the enemy, the strength of your soul to maintain, it lasts for a little while. But it will not repel darkness. It will not repel. It will not create space for you. Only the power of the Spirit. Only the explosive glory. Only the explosive glory of the life of God within you can actually begin to make room and bring real relief to your soul. So we call upon the afterburners of the Spirit of God that are inside of us. We're not here to enjoy sentimental moments, having a a cold compress on the pain in our soul is not enough this morning. In Jesus' name, 
come on, we're going to release a sound. We're going to release a sound that repels the enemy. In Jesus' name, we pull on spirit and life. In Jesus' name, this is our city. This is our land. So as we go into the next song, songs have the power to engage your sentimentality or your spirit. That you can have great memories from a song and that's, that song can bring you back to those memories and the warm times you had, but you had those warm times not because of the sentimentality, but because of the breakthrough of the spirit. And a song can either bring a, a memory or a breakthrough. Let's go for the breakthrough this morning. Now just stay right where you are. How many of you enjoy being on the verge of not being able to pay your bills month to month? Who enjoys that? Yeah, nobody. Do you know that wealth... It's, it's not just transferred, it's created out of nothing. God creates wealth out of nothing. He says, I give you the power to create wealth. Before we enter this song, I begin to see the gates of God's supply, wealth, and I saw the demonic strategy keeping those gates closed over our lives. And I feel this morning, particularly... There is a breakthrough available to access. You know, we can access healing. We can access salvation. We can access varieties of the ministry of the kingdom through the Holy Spirit. But wealth, wealth is something we can access too. And Canada, in particular, has been a stronghold against the release of wealth. But I believe that we are this close to breaking through those gates. And it begins with your sound. I want you to begin to call in. Father, I have sowed. I have put my seed in the ground. I say to the thief, give up my harvest right now. Every principality, every power, every, every sorceress strategy to remove from me my harvest. I say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we receive the blessing of the Father. Now, we're not going to take an offering now, but we are going to do an offering at the end of the service, our regular offering. But I'm telling you, Isaiah 45 talks about the treasure of secret places, hidden places. And it talks about the doors and the gates that need to be broken through to access those things. I believe it applies to everything God has made available for us. We have to overcome. We have to prevail against the thief. And those of us that are just waiting patiently, well, I did the right thing. I've done everything correct, but it's not happening. Well, then maybe it's time to go to war. Maybe it's time to begin to speak to that realm. So we're going to release a shout right now in Jesus' name, a shout of faith. 
Are you ready? To the financial realm, in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Let me prophesy this. There are four or five people in this room whom God has called. It's part of your destiny to be astonishingly wealthy. Astonishingly wealthy. It's still there. It's hanging in the air in front of you. And uh, so, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the path will be made clear for these ones who are called to finance the harvest in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Yeah. Woo! All right. Well, I have really something important to say. Unlike other weeks, this is really important. I'm just kidding. It's always important. We, we need everything. There, there's, there's so much we need for our faith. And you know what? This is a one-room schoolhouse. Remember back in the days when everybody went to the same room? And you had grades like, you know, zero through 10. Of course, they're probably all done at grade five, but, you know, this is zero through five. But everybody was, was learning together. And, but not, not everybody knew the same things. So navigating that has its, its own unique challenges. Well, this is what we have here. We have a one-room schoolhouse. And, and the things I like to share are, are, are at least for intermediate Christians, if not advanced Christians. You know, that's just the reality. The other day, the other day, like a couple months ago, <laughs> I was talking to uh, somebody, and I think I shared this story, but I was reminded again of it yesterday. I was talking to somebody who was in Bible college, and as they're telling me the things they're learning, I'm thinking, oh, man, these are really valuable things. And I remember when I was his age, and I remember when I was in Bible college, and I was learning about walking by faith, learning to trust God with my finances, walking in simple repentance and forgiveness. I mean, these things. And he started talking about all these principles that I I realized I don't, it's not my, my calling. When I travel, I don't generally speak on that. I mean, finances is a big, important area. And Jesus spoke about finances more than a lot of things that we major on, you know. So as Canadians, the sheepishness to talk about finances, it's not of God, okay? Uh, but I, I don't feel particularly called to do a lot on finances, and so I don't. But you know what? It still needs to be done. If you're a new Christian and you haven't learned to access, you know, faith to release to God what belongs to him, then, then you're missing out on something that's critical for your life, for success as a Christian. And so, so there are other things that I don't particularly feel called to share that Chris can share, that Jen can share, that Jim can share, that Cam can share. And so when I'm away, take what others have and, uh, and enjoy me when I come back, of course. <laughs> but we need the full counsel of the Word of God. Hey, we need the full counsel. Now, uh, I have a word here. It's called uh, the overcoming path. Actually, I was, I was in Woodstock last weekend, 
And we had this RRA event, which was Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I stayed for the weekend as a minister in this church I'd never been at before. And I was thinking, during the event, I got this download. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to share it during the event. But it just didn't seem to be a moment when it was, seemed to be appropriate. So I didn't share it. And I thought, okay, I'll share it on Sunday. But then we got to Sunday, and I didn't think it was appropriate. But here it is, another Sunday, and I'm going to share it. The overcoming path. Do you know, I love this theme, but God has the means for your success, no matter what the opposition. No matter what is facing you, no matter what's in front of you, God has an opportunity for you to overcome. Now, a friend of mine was in a situation where he was facing some division in a church that he was a part of, and that division was coming by other leaders in the church. And uh, he was talking to the, tried to get the apostolic leader of this church to do something about it. And, uh, and it's like, he wasn't doing anything. And so my friend was wondering, like, why isn't he doing something? I mean, he's, he's the leader of this. He should make sure this isn't happening. And uh, years later, because it took years for him to break through this, and when he began to talk to him about it again after breaking through, he, he said, like, you know, you mean you knew this was going on? He says, yes. He said, well, why didn't you do something about it? Because I needed you to overcome. Wow. It's like, you know, and, and sometimes we, we think leaders should do some things because people in our life are difficult. Let me tell you, you're always going to have difficult people in your life. Sometimes you're married to them. Sometimes you're the one. <laughs> and you just suppose it's the other. <laughs> but, but, but other third parties cannot decide how to, at what pace we fix people's lives. Right? And the truth is, if you really had a clear picture of all of our lives, there's always something else to break through. And so... I can know about what you need to break through, but I can't do it for you. I can't make it happen. I, you know, somebody may be saying, listen, make my life better. Fix this person. Sorry, I can't do it. Well, what do we do in the meantime? Do we get rid of all the people that are broken? No, what do we do? We overcome. We become the solution to that deficit in other people's lives. That's how we bear one another's burdens. Yeah, but, but, you know, aren't we trying to erase ideal Christians? Yes, we are. Hallelujah. Are you that yet? Are you, uh, so if you're not that yet, fix yourself. Yeah. Fix what's wrong with you. Oh, it's not so easily done. Ah, oh, yeah. Hence the problem. <laughs> Multiply by the number of people in the room. All right, this is the issue. And the, the idea that fixing the known problems in relationships in people is, is No, that'll alleviate the pressure on you right now, but it actually doesn't fix the problem. Well, you know, and some people honestly think, well, if we just pare down to the people that are, you know, significantly healed, if we do that, then we invite a possibility of people who are not healed at all to come in because we, our journey needs their journey to break through. And so God wants you to overcome. That your destiny is not found by others changing, but by you changing, by you coming up over the top. 
And that is the power. You come into authority by overcoming, not by getting others to fix their problems. All right? That's a good one to understand. You stay married with that attitude. You stay in friendships and relationships with that attitude. You, you, you don't have the opportunity, the luxury of writing people off when you begin to think in, along those terms. We need people with deficits. Need them. Hallelujah. Now, what is the path out of our deficits so that we overcome? What does that path look like? I, I call this a tale of two destinies. Because I was thinking about two people in particular, because, and I'm going to name them in a minute, but I, there's two people. One is a historical figure. The other is a biblical figure. And both of them had a destiny. Every single person on the earth has a destiny. And it's not just, you know, to live till the end of your life. <laughs> because that's easily done. Right? Everybody does that, actually. Everybody lives to the end of their life. <laughs> but... There are things that are meant to be accomplished, realized. And, and what happens is when you overcome something, and this is the beauty of it, something is added to you that remains with you for eternity unless it's eroded by sin in your life. There's actually a construction process going on. Did you know that? Oh, I'll try not to get bogged down. This is, there's so many beautiful promises along this way. But it, these two people meant two destinies and two destinations. And just because you have a destiny, just because your life has a destination doesn't mean you're going to arrive there. Right. In fact, and I hesitate from going into this, but a friend of mine, I'll share this about this some other time, he was at a key point in his life where God was saying to him, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. And he kept delaying, he kept saying no, 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 no. And then one day he said he was out on a run and the Holy Spirit visited him and said, you need to do this. If you disobey me now, I will drastically reorganize your destiny. I, I, because, uh, and I don't want to go into the explanation, but because there's not going to be enough time for me to change you to enter that destiny. It's not because I want this, but it's because you've chosen this. And so we want to choose the right path and the right destiny. Now, um, there are promises to overcomers. I quickly wrote down, quickly, uh, pasted and texted, I mean pasted and copied. Uh, Revelations, listen to this. This is how significant overcoming is. When Jesus visited the first churches, right, the, the seven churches of Asia, he gave them promises and challenge. He talked about the challenges and their promises. And with all the promises, it's, it's, it, their victory is hinging upon overcoming. All of them. Listen to this. Revelations 2, 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the, par- the, the paradise of God. Wow. I want some of that. Yeah. Right? Paradise. The, the tree, the food in the paradise of God, is, like, like, is that like the Garden of Eden? He doesn't actually say. I suspect yes. Revelations 2.11. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Well, that's a good one. I like, I like that one. Now notice he says to him 
who has an, ears to, an ear to hear. In other words, like this is, there's options for us. We always have options. Jesus said this to the people of his day when he's preaching to him as an ear to hear. Let him hear. In other words, I'm not forcing this on you. You have free will. You can step into your destiny by the obvious paths that I'm making available or not. But this is not, this kingdom does not operate by compulsion and coercion. We are, we are not extorting you to do what needs to be done or what we want you to be done. And let me tell you, as a, as a leader, uh, you may find that sometimes I put a lot of pressure on you. But I probably don't call you out by name. The truth is, we always have options. And we could string this out for a long time, or we can go we can go quickly. We can step through the hurdles. I've prophesied about this before, but the generation that's coming that may not even be in our midst, that might not be saved yet, is called the generation of Jacob, the generation of those who seek his face. They're going to be volunteers in the day of his power. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, yes, 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 in a sequence at a pace that will make your head spin. And that will invoke jealousy, envy, accusations of favoritism on the part of leaders who, who choose these newbies. Like, what? Well, I've been in the church eight years. I've been in the church 30 years. How come this guy is suddenly... Uh, I don't decide, honestly. I don't decide the authority that, be, that, that starts to rest on people's life. And that authority, the authority of the king of, kingdom of God, becomes evident in people's lives, both in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and in, in, in the... The, the innate authority that's on their sound when they speak. You know, when some people pray, speak, declare, it just penetrates. Uh, you know, you, you can't fake that. Right. You can fake attributes of it. You can fake volume. You can fake intensity. You can fake sincerity. <laughs> Once you got that down, the world will love you. Uh, Revelations 2.17 says this, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Can I just say that, you know the other part of this? If you look in Revelations, just the first two, three chapters of Revelations, read that and realize you know nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I look at traditional Christianity and we bake it down to, you know, we condense it, we distill it down to certain series of behaviors and going to church on Sunday and lifting your hands and, you know, in our world, you know, some of the Holy Spirit. But honestly, we are barely touching the surface of the things that are available. You, know, you look at those three chapters and you should be humbled by your lack of understanding of what this is really about. Because a lot of the things that are promised here, we have no clue of like, why. What is significant? A white stone? Why not a blue stone? I like blue. Like, there's always significance to everything God does. A white stone means something to him. And I, honestly, I don't know what that means specifically. I can, I've maybe heard some speculation, but I can't say for sure. There are more things to be known than we can possibly begin to, to hear. Okay, I'm getting bogged down here. There's a, I got a lot to say. This is a long message. Revelations 2, I'm, that's not hinting that I'm going to go long. 
Revelations 2, 25 to 27, but hold fast what you have till I come, and he overcomes and keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. And the verse that, can, that follows that is the promise that was given to Jesus himself. Wow. Rule the nations with a rod of iron. We are meant to be co-rulers with him. The meek will inherit the earth. Hallelujah. There's real authority being held in reserve for those that overcome. Revelations 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Now, when God says, I won't do this if you do this, it opens the possibility that the other could happen. All right? So just stick that in the back of your theology. (laughs) Uh, But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelations 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go out no more. Wow. Access to the inner sanctum of the heavenly royal court and permanent access is available. Uh, The alternative, right, owns up all kinds of possibilities. Where's that in our theology? Anyway, it might be, might be, uh, (laughs) don't get discouraged. (laughs) And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God. And I will write on him my new name. Revelations 3, 20 and 21. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. These are some of the promises of overcoming. It kind of raises the stakes a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I, I want to do some of that. Yeah. I want to do some of that. I want to I come over the hump, over through the threshold of the challenges in my life. And here's, here's the beauty of this. Nobody else is responsible when you don't. Yeah. It's actually impossible for a third party to do this for you. And uh, now, we can help one another, right? As Christians, we help one another. But there comes a time in your life where, where you are walking before the Lord that what falls to you and what does not fall to you is solitarily on your shoulders. And, th- and when that comes, you know, and if you've been living like a baby spiritually your whole life and everybody's been doing things for you, you, you know, you, any of you, the youngest one in the family, people cutting your bread way beyond the time. And the other siblings are thinking, Mom, you stopped cutting my toast when I was four. You know, it's like, here, this kid's 10. Can't even tie his shoes or cut, his, cut the crust off his bread. Right? That's not an enviable place to be, either in the natural or the spiritual, right? And so, so we don't want to be dependent beyond 
the period where dependency is warranted. And there is, an, there is a period when you're spiritually young where dependency, a lot of dependency is warranted. But there comes a time where God starts to put that on your shoulders. And that's where most people begin to get frustrated. That's where most people start to resent the church. Because, because like, they're not doing it for me. Yeah, it's not the church deciding that, it's God. Listen, there's a, you know, I know there's super bad churches and there's super bad Christians. But here's the thing, God will move heaven and earth to the people that believe and are walking according to his will. And so if you're at that place where you're starting to feel like your needs are not being met, guess what? Hallelujah. You're growing up. You're moving in to the place of responsibility where God is not measuring your life by what others do for you, but by what you do for yourself and others who can't do it for themselves. That's maturity. That's a promotion. But that's the time when and people can't make that shift. And that's when they start to get resentful and bitter because, you know what? It is harder. Yeah. Mommy, cut my bread. Cut my toast. Do this for me. Make life easier for me. No, we need to overcome. So I mentioned two people with two destinies. Now, I want to lay this out specifically because these two people, one represents a destiny, or a destiny, a, a destination of oppression, darkness, evil, despicable evil. And the other one represents the polar opposite. But what we're going to see as I lay out parts of their lives is that one of them overcame and the other one didn't. And the destination that was arrived at was because the one made choices that, that limited those things in his life that would lead him into greater darkness. And I'm saying this because each and every one of us have an opportunity to increase, to leverage the potential that we have or go the alternate way. What are the names of these people? Joseph in the Bible. Yeah, okay, I see. He might be the overcomer. Yep. Or Hitler. Yeah, it's pretty obvious which is which, right? I, I like to use this. I like to look at these global oppressors because... Because the reality is when you begin to understand the constitution of the believer, the anatomy of our soul and our spirit, you start to realize that the capacity that that kind of deep, deep darkness is in every single believer. And at some other point, maybe we'll we'll teach on that. But the difference is that, that some are given the opportunity to realize either the good or the evil that they've intended to walk in. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make them arbitrarily worse because of that. It means that the metron of authority that they were given was taken up by death. But if you, could, if you have a small metron of authority, but it's equally given to death, who's worse? No, nobody's worse. That's why Jesus said this to the Pharisees. He says, listen, these guys that died this horrific life over here and, you know, the consequences of this, this evil things came in life, do you think they were worse than others? He's, and he said, I'm telling you now, unless you repent, you're going to likewise perish. The judgment is the same. Anyway, that's another issue.
All right. Um, first of all, I want to say this. All, all of the oppressed in the nations of the world are treasures. All the ones whose lives seem to end up in the gutter, whose lives seem to, to embody some kind of specific evil, you know, of course, when I was a young Christian, you know, we, we used to think about, oh, drug addicts, prostitutes, you know, the, these, these are the people that are broken. And I've told you the story before. And I had a shift in mind when David Wilkerson came and spoke at our college at uh, the graduation of the semester before I graduated. He, sh- he shared on this proverb from, uh, from the scriptures that says, it's uh, Proverbs 6.26. It says, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread and an adulteress will prey upon the precious life. And the principle of that, this was his message essentially. It says, the enemy has an eye for people who have great capacity. Listen, the, the enemy has an eye and an appetite for those who have great capacity. And so when he's looking at people who could potentially do great benefits to his kingdom or great damage to his kingdom, those are the ones he's working overtime to ensnare. And so the change of attitude was that, that he, he was saying this. He said, what if the, the prostitutes and the ones who are the slaves of the worst kinds of sin and who are in poverty and alcoholics and addicted, what if the enemy was more afraid of them than anybody else? What if they were the precious life? What if they were the they had the greatest potential destinies and so they endured the greatest potential the greatest attack? Now in God's system, He's made a way for all of us to overcome. And so we can't say, Yeah, well, I'm a precious one, therefore my, my, I could be excused because the attack was greater on me. No, 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 it doesn't work like that because he's always prepared a way of escape for you. But here's the question. What was the way of escape for Joseph and what was the way of escape for Hitler? What, what destiny did he miss and what choices did he make along the way that in, enabled him to miss that destiny? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, so God has a knack for starting with the oppressed. He likes to do that. And whether it's uh, the alcoholic or, or the dire sinner, this, this, this is what David started out with. It says in 1 Samuel 22, 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is discontented gathered to him. That's quite a rabble. You know, the, this is what David got for his army. All the discontented people. <laughs> yeah. Usually that's what, that's what you get when you start a new church. <laughs> you hope for the big tithers because you're just a little church, you got no money. Instead, you get everybody who's in debt. Everybody's discontented about the last one. Everybody who thought, well, I should have been an elder. In the last church, they wouldn't make me an elder. They kept telling me I was a sinner. And he says, so he became the captain over them. David became the captain over this discontented rabble. And there were about 400 men with him. So God loves to start with broken people. God starts, loves to start with people with whom there's, they have big problems. Why? Because he has the means. And this, I cannot emphasize this enough. God has the means to bring you up out of the, out of the pit that you're in. 
I mean, God has overcoming power for everything that presently besets you. And his urging to you right now is this. Wake up to the reality that if others aren't, aren't doing it for you, that it's time to do it yourself. It's time to own the responsibility for your own breakthrough. So we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at Joseph's story in a minute. But I, I was curious about Hitler. I thought, I thought what is it? that got him to where he was. I actually literally looked up the, uh, the theme and there's no clear answer. Like, how is it that the Jews became, you know, he had this particular hostility towards one race. Why is that? Now, it makes sense, we understand, because the kingdom of darkness is already, is disposed particularly to, against those that God treasures the most. And God has literally called this race of people my, my, my people, and he's married to those people, and they have a destiny that, that even though they rejected God, he, he said, I've inscribed you on the palm of my hands, I won't reject you. Doesn't mean they'll all go to heaven. That's not what it means. It talks about usefulness and and utility in the course of history. That's what it's about. And so, um, so Hitler's, Hitler's story was that in the First World War, he was—I mean, he was a corporal. That's as high as he made it up. That's as a bright and talented as he was. He made it to corporal. Let me just tell you, that's not very high. My apologies to all the corporals. Yeah. But you know, uh, ch- chances are you're not the brightest light bulb in the. Okay, he was a failed artist. He uh, he loved art, hence you know all the stealing of the art afterwards. But he loved art, but he was not particularly successful. Though interestingly, one of his patrons, one of the person people that bought most of his art, was a Jewish businessman. Isn't that interesting? Uh, but basically, he, he began to get poisoned with bitterness. He began to, and here's, here's what it is. The path that he took was begin to find somebody other than himself to make responsible for his life. I, wanna, I want you to know that this is the turning point for destinies, whether they go up or whether they go down. Whether your life increases and your authority increases and your utility to the kingdom of heaven increases or decreases, it's based on how willing you are to make other people responsible for your present condition. Makes you want to own your journey, right? Let me tell you, own your journey. It's a blessing when God sends unique people along the way to give you a boost, to, to give you a hug, to give you an encouragement. But he's training you to love people who are not encouraging. Yes. How's he going to do that? By surrounding you with only encouraging people. <laughs> right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. You know, the child who's grown up with everything being handed to them and people always being nice and polite and everything, you know, always catering to their needs. Well, that's, that's a brilliant lifestyle in one sense, but it completely handicaps them. They are, in po- they are, they are unable to overcome anything because they've never had to overcome anything. That's your life. You think, well, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, not, I'm, 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 not, 
I'm not special in that way that I, you know, I haven't been catered to. Well, it doesn't matter. It's, it's happening on the inside of you. Father, I pray today, right now, that Holy Spirit, you would overshadow our hearts and our journeys right now. And that we would see that every circumstance of life, everything our friends don't do for us, everything our husband doesn't do for us, everything that doesn't happen at work because uh, uh, that we want it to happen, everything that, that occurs as we're driving to the grocery store, all of these things are part of the challenge for us to become overcomers. And if, if you have the wisdom to do it, as I'm sharing, begin to decide today, I am no longer going to make anybody responsible for my happiness. I will never do it again. And, some, and in the world, they say, well, what you need to do is get rid of toxic people. No. You need toxic people. Because when you overcome, they're not toxic anymore. When you overcome, you become a force that works in their life instead of them becoming a force that works in your life. They're only toxic because you haven't overcome, because you, put, you have so much confidence invested in their contribution, and it's not the contribution you want. Well, stop taking and start giving. That's a revelation right there. <laughs> Hallelujah, I, I got to write that down. <laughs> but probably the, the greatest setback for Hitler was he had bought into the superiority of the German people and its, 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 con- its desire for conquest. So when, when they lost World War I, he was deeply rejected. Now, politically in the land, there were, there were communists, there were socialists, there were, there were different... Uh, streams within the culture, the German culture, that started to be blamed for the loss of World War One, because it's it's kind of like what you see in the West. You know, when we when we go to battle or war, not everybody thinks it's important. Not everybody thinks it's worth fighting about for. And you always have these other ideas as to what we should be doing. And so he began to think of the people that did not get behind the, the, the war cause of Germany. And he started to fault them for Germany's failure. Listen, uh, faith doesn't guarantee that you're going to own your journey, but it gives you a big step up. It gives you a big opportunity to think, well, you know what? I think God decides the destinies of nations on scales that we don't know. And that keeps us from faulting particular people. Ah, we could go into that a lot. I don't want to spend too much time. But this is an important issue because faith frees you from the blame game. Because, I mean, this is the reality for my life. When I realized when God, every time I started to tend to want to blame somebody for my lack of success, the Lord say, you know, I have a lot of things. I, I, I have a lot of power. I have a lot of influence. I have wealth. I have gifting. I have anointing. I mean, I could give you whatever you need to survive, and you have access to me. Yeah, but these, this denomination doesn't like me. I have more pull than that denomination, says the Lord. I have more pull than that, that organization. I have more economic pull than your whole financial system. Like, I have this, 
But our go-to is things closer to us rather than him. Does, does that make sense? And so what, all the time as a Christian, your whole life, you have an opportunity to pull from the source. And so uh, this is what makes us innately responsible for our own lives. And this is what God always brought me back to. He said, he said Mark, if you would just pull from me, you'll get what you need. Oh, Lord, you, but you prophesied that I was going to have influence in the nations. Yeah, your pastor can't give that to you, Mark. Nobody can give that to you. A financial supporter can't give that to you. Somebody helping you with your ministry, helping you, you know, mow your lawn or take care of your stuff at home. It, nobody can do that for you. Only I can do that for you. And if you keep pulling from then, you're going to keep getting disappointed and it'll turn into anger, which will turn into bitterness. So you have a choice here, Mark. Either keep looking at me, pulling from me, and fault yourself when you don't get it. Well, yeah, but maybe it's your fault. See, this is what God gave us as promises. Nothing's impossible to him that believes. I kept, he kept cornering me. And I, I love it, honestly. I'm glad he did. I'm so thankful that he did. Because I couldn't lie to myself. Like, okay, yeah, people are not being ideal, but if I believe you, nothing's impossible. So I can lie to myself and fault these people, all these middlemen I want to create between you and I. And we do that. We, have, we create a, a hierarchy of middlemen between us and God. When God says, no, you, by faith you have access to me. Your lack of faith causes you to look at the middlemen in your life. And, and the limitations on your faith means you are dependent upon them. But that's temporary until you have the ability to pull from me. Yeah. I tell you, I envision thousands, thousands who make that shift in their hearts, suddenly realize that everything was possible on them. Yeah. Start doing this yeah. in your life. If you're a housewife, right, you're frustrated, and you think the solution is, if only my husband would come home from work earlier. If only my husband was willing to do this. If only my husband. And you, you husbands that come home, I just wish I had a wife that did. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Stop it. Stop blaming the people for your lack of happiness. <laughs> yeah. I have received no phone calls, so I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody in particular. Just so you know. <laughs> but I, it says the German defeat was hard to swallow for many Germans, but particularly for Hitler. Uh, in in uh, what right-wing circles, uh, there was this, there was this uh, myth that the battle had been lost because of the Jews, because of social democrats and communists. Now, the truth is, these movements were not necessarily dominated by Jews, but there were some Jews. And as it happens, intelligent Jewish people tend to excel. And, but a majority of the Jewish community in Germany supported the nation. And yet that became a non-issue to, to Hitler. And he began to be poisoned by bitterness. There's a story in Acts chapter 8 where Simon the sorcerer is there. And he's a, he's a guy who's hungry for power. Hungry to be significant. And it's always funny because what God is offering every single one of us is the opportunity for power, to be significant. I mean, he's offering us to be co-rulers with him. Yeah. 
God in heaven, who's going to rule the nations, is offering us as much influence as we want. Yet we make ourselves powerless through blaming. As soon as you blame somebody else, make them responsible for you not getting something, you play the victim card. You make yourself powerless. And so what it leaves is a vacuum of power. It increases the desire for power, but you're debilitating the access to power continuously. So you're working actually against yourself. And this is what happens when people embrace the dark side. It begins by assigning responsibility to the others, which is always power. And so this man sees the power of the Holy Spirit on the apostles, and he says to Paul, hey, where'd you get this ability to, you know, lay hands on people? And they receive, they start, you know, they're being changed, and all this, this is amazing power. He says, I'll give you money for this power. I, that's how bad I want it. I'll pay you. Where, where'd you get this? Is this a magician's trick? Acts eight twenty three. listen to what it says. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He said, your money perish with you because there's something in you that needs to die. There's, there's a fountain of ugliness coming out of you. Now, let's look at Joseph for a minute. We know that Joseph overcame. But how, what was the process of him overcoming? Were there challenges in Joseph's life? Oh, yeah. Right? He, he got all the promises. It's great to get promises. We love promises. Like, like, like all of us, you know, a lot of prophetic words floating around in our lives that haven't been fulfilled. So Joseph gets these dreams directly from God. I mean, God has said, you are special. His dad says he's special. His brothers, mm, not so much. So we know what happens. He gets demoted, and he gets sold into slavery. He gets uh, he get, the threat of, of being murdered by his own brothers. He ends up getting sold. He goes to Egypt. He, you can't hold a good man down. So he starts to rise up in authority, only to be slammed again and again and again. Now, his destination was very different from Hitler's, but his circumstances, I could say, were worse. I mean, I don't know specifically how many relational betrayals Hitler had. I, I don't know. Maybe he had a girlfriend who cheated on him or something like that. Surely these are things that are taxing and difficult, right? But he could have overcome. Joseph overcame. So he was thwarted at every turn, but each time he's in a valley of decision. He has a choice to make. In Psalm 105, verse 16 to 19, there's a little characterization in there about Joseph. I want you to listen to this because it's, it's, very, it's, very, it's very key. It says, moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed, talking about God, he destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time of his word word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, Jim could probably do a whole sermon later on on how the word tests you. But really, it's, it's an opportunity that's given to you to either come up into the word and lay hold of the one who promised or live under the power of middlemen. 
Do you have a promise? Do you have a promise in your life that God uh, has hanging over you? I've run into so many who feel like they're called to ministry. You know what? Nobody can make that happen for you. I can't make that happen for you. Every person that's looked to me to put them in ministry has made me their enemy. Because I cannot put you in ministry. Yeah, but you could hire me. No, I can't. In the natural, I have the, we have the possibility as a church, we can hire people. Chris and I can sit down and say, what do you think of, you know, so-and-so? But at the end of the day, it's the Lord. It's favor on people's lives that leads to open doors. Not the people who make the decisions about whether the favor is there or not. Now, another, another, another version of, of the scriptures, another interpretation says that this, when it says he was laid in irons, it says this, the iron entered his soul. The iron of Joseph's captivity entered his soul. In other words, he's mad. The injustice of it got to him. You know, the repeated inappropriateness of him falling. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Okay, maybe I was a little cocky, but really, is this... Is this is this commensurate with my sin? Being sold into slavery, my dad, who prized and loved me, told that I was murdered by a, killed by an animal. So the iron of his captivity entered his soul. But he overcame. He overcame. He overcame. We'll talk about that overcoming in a little bit. But listen to this. Proverbs 30, verse 21 to 23 says this. For three things the earth is shaken. That means there are three things that shake the earth, that cause all the institutions, all the foundations of the world in which we live uh, to to be disheveled. Three things. Yes, four it cannot bear up under. And the first one is this. For a servant when he reigns. A servant when he reigns. What what does that mean? A servant when he reigns is somebody who has not overcome. Somebody who has not overcome has made themselves the lowest. And and how does that work in God's economy? It works by blaming. Everybody you credit for not reaching your goal is somebody you made yourself subservient to. Come on, think about it. You, you empower people in life. You, you, you actually take the bandwidth of your strength and give it to others every time you fault somebody for not achieving a goal that God said was yours. Why? Because the way to get these things is by overcoming, by owning the responsibility and pulling on the power of heaven to get there. And the evidence that you've overcome is you get there. Wow. Come on, guys. Come on, if we, if we can grab this, it'll change everything, all the besetting things of our life. It will change them. It will, it will cause you to step into destiny on a scale you never thought possible. But we don't know how much we empower others. We don't know how, know how much we make ourselves the servant to others. But this is the thing. Proverbs is warning us when this type of man gets into a political office of power, he will be a hellion. He will unleash the kingdom of darkness on the earth. He will shake the very structures of your world. So dark is this thing. Now, 
You can read the others. They're equally, uh, they're, they're, they're equally bad, but we won't go there. When we do not rise out of the iron of our captivity, we are doomed to be the oppressors. Because the gall of bitterness takes root at the core of our being and it begins to pervert everything we see because the perversion, the choices we made every time we credited others was to say there is no God, there is no justice, there is no means, there is no pathway for me to enter destiny and all you are left with is the pain of that disappointment. But Joseph overcomes he overcomes by, by pushing through it because, you know, like anybody who's ever overcome, he was cornered by God. He was cornered by God by saying, Joseph, in the, in, the, in, the, in the pit, Joseph, who am I? And this is what God is trying to say to every one of us. Who am I? When Joseph is sold into slavery, all along the way, he's leaving his family, he's being taken, he's thinking, there's no hope of ever returning now. I am a slave. When slave, they, who knows where you could go? My, my brothers are not gonna defend me. They're not gonna tell my dad to come after me. Nobody even knows where I am. They're, they're gonna think I'm dead. And the Lord is saying in that moment of hopelessness, he's saying, Joseph, who am I? But the, the tyranny of that woundedness is to think about the people that did the thing. Right? I mean, this was an, this is an unforgivable evil. And the Lord is saying, Joseph, who am I? And the plan of God was to get Joseph to get his eyes on God. Because God was the only one who could remedy the situation. See, we find ourselves in situations where we feel other people could remedy it for us. And God is saying, listen, if you will, let me lock you into an equation where I become your source for everything. Where you look to me for everything. What if the very reason that God allows deficient people in our lives is not for us to fix them? (laughs) but for us to overcome what's wrong with them by having our needs met by God. Now, if you're a leader, okay, what does that mean? We shouldn't expect anything from people? <laughs> no, it doesn't quite work that way. When you're a leader and you're called to, to raise up good Christians, we call people to accountability, to what is reasonable. But even when you're doing that, if it's done with bitterness and disappointment that people have not come up to your expectations, you have danger of turning into that dark path. And so as a leader, just because you have the ability to influence and bring forward you know, appropriate behaviors doesn't mean you necessarily are going to do it in the right way. But in most of these cases... We don't decide for others. Even as a pastor, I don't decide for others what they can do. I just present the challenges. Forgive, release, take responsibility, draw on heaven. So through the process, this is what Joseph finally came to. When he, when he got back face to face with his brothers, he had overcome. He had overcome. And the, and the overcoming 
was evident in the words he spoke to his brothers in that moment. Listen to these words. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in the, I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant, it, meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In other words, I've overcome because I'm not fixated on what you did, but I realized that there was a much greater plan and that God used your deficiency to enact this plan, but all along it was God's plan for me to overcome. See, all the circumstances of your life, no matter how, how terrible they might be, God is not actually responsible for the sins of the brothers. He didn't make them do that, but he knew their propensity. And he thought, I, I could make this work. Right? Joseph, do you want your destiny? Yes, I want my destiny. Joseph, do you want the promise? Yes, I want the promise. Because what was the promise? It was power, authority in the dreams. He was the head guy. You want, are you sure you want the destiny? Oh, yeah, I want to be the top dog. Oh, yeah. He said, well, little part I didn't tell you. <laughs> to get there, you have to overcome. We always love the promise, but to get there, we have to overcome. To get there, you have to overcome. And to overcome, you have to deal not what's wrong with other people, but what's wrong in you. And what's wrong in you? The tendency to blame and empower others. Make myself the victim so that I'm, I'm, I'm flawlessly innocent. The Lord said, no, no, no. You're not getting away or anything. You overcome. If you overcome, nothing could stop you. Nothing can stop you. No financial success. No role that I've called you to. No exercise of gifting. I remember when the Lord said to me, he took me to those passages where he said, I gave understanding of, it is the craftsmanship of these amazing people who made the Ark of the Covenant and all the other utensils for, for the temple. The Lord said, Mark, if, I, if you need something, I can give it to you. Because sometimes I'd go to the Lord and say, you know, I'm really bad administratively. I really, I have this, you know, kind of this tendency, a little bit ADD. It's like, you know, overcome. I, if, if you need that for this, I could give it to you. But I need you to believe me. I need you to trust me. There's some things I'm going to change in you, but some of your deficiencies I'm just going to leave so that when you become successful at something, people will tend to, tend to say, oh, it's because you do these things. No, you, no, no, you don't realize. I'm a, I'm a, I have so many deficits. You can't take the credit. You overcame through forgiveness. You overcame by owning the journey to tap into the resource that is God. That's what overcoming is. Father, I pray today, we want to be, we're thankful for the people in our lives who become resources, who, whose gifting, whose talents aid us along the way, who, who are there for us as a people to tap into. For the, but Father, we are not by any means limited to those resources. Father, you are the ultimate resource. Father, you are the ultimate resource. God, open our eyes today that we can rise above the challenges of the moment and tap in to the ultimate resource that is you. But we, we want to we make a commitment today. We want to put on, and I know some of us are doing this. Some of us, you know, it's like, well, this is not new to me. I've been doing this for a long time. 
But maybe you haven't been doing it in the wholesale way that you can. Because what we do is we tend to segment our lives. We, we tend to, to, on the one hand, you know, we take responsibility in some errors, areas, but in other areas, we just have this, yeah, but in this area, it's an expectation that this, this pastor, this person, this, this worker, they should be doing this for me. And the Lord is saying, no, overcome. If you overcome, I will, you are automatically promoted. Thank you, Lord. We're going to go on the song in a minute here, but uh, I think this is part of overcoming, is we're actually going to pray into the offering too. Because uh, money is a tough thing for us to deal with. You know, I think it's an interesting thing. Uh, on Friday, this past Friday, I was actually in a school in Germania, and I was literally talking to them about overcoming, right? And overcoming is not an easy thing. Our fears pop up, and this is an area where it, it comes into it quite a bit, right? I don't know if you can even feel that. It's just that fear of being without, that fear of God not providing, right? It just sneaks into our mind. We may not speak it out loud in front of people, but it's there. So God wants to do something even deeper today. I mean, you can just start to grab that area where you have that fear. Just think about it for about 10 seconds here. What is that area? I can guarantee you in the top five is money. It always is. So Ben wants to share a little something here first, and then we're going to pray into the offering and just kind of see where it goes. So I just feel a breakthrough in the room this morning. As Mark started talking about tithing, um, and this, this ties in with what Mark's saying, <laughs> I feel in the same way last week when I talked about baptism, and I said, if you think you're going into the water and you're coming up and getting wet, that's all you're going to get. If you think that you're tithing because it's your duty and it's the right thing to do as a Christian and you put your money towards the church, and that's the right thing to do, and you should feel better or something, or I give God my 10%, and that's just what God requires. It's kind of all you're going to get. However, and I'm just, I'm honestly so fired up in my guts right now because I feel like there is a, a revelation in the room for God to actually do a breakthrough here, and it has to do with trust, and it also has to do with God's systems and it goes like this, that, that as we're doing this journey that, you know, that Mark's talking about, it's hard to, God, I trust you, and then you feel like you come back down. Oh, God, I trust you. Okay, I'm riding it for a bit. Oh, I come back down. Tithing, giving is our way of actually saying, because we go, God, I trust you, and I want those things in my life. I want to be free. So, God, I sing louder, or God, I... I, I, you know, I'm here on the front and I'm screaming, but God goes, I got one. Give me your money. Give me that thing that matters the most to you. And so, oh, just lean in with me for a sec, guys. So there's breakthrough, and here's where the breakthrough is, and I'm going to piggyback Gord Mitchell. He came and talked about tithing about a year ago, and it, it rocked me, and he said, it says in the Bible, if you tithe, he will open the windows of heaven 
over your life. Do you understand that? Think about that for a sec. That's a promise. I remember my mom always saying to me, Benny, and we had no money growing up with eight kids, but Benny, one thing I have to tell you is God says, test me on tithing. He said, he said, test me on tithing. And so no matter what, I, it was just the most important thing. So, 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 keep leaning in with me. Oh, man. So me and Jenna, I got this, is crazy. Me and Jenna were doing a workout two days ago, and it was the worst. And we were in our basement, and I was dying because it had been a week since we worked out. And literally, I had that feeling of passing out and that feeling like I wanted to barf. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. Check this out. And this is the image the Lord gave me for this morning. We have a big window in our basement that we got cut when we did our renos. And I walked over to that window, and I just opened it up. And I leaned into the window, and I felt the air, the cool air, rush in. And that feeling of wanting to die, that feeling like, I can't do it, I can't make it, I I need to quit. If we talk about overcoming, that window opened up and provided me that one little marker that allowed me to finish and overcome for that day. If you want to see overcoming in your life, see, this is the thing. God says, I don't just want you to sing me a song. And I don't just want your most fervent effort here. I want something in the natural that shows me that you trust me. And, and he goes, it's going to be money. It's going to be money. So it's not just giving for your 10% to feel okay. You, like baptism, when you go down, you leave something behind. Something changes. When you give, when you give to him, whatever it is, if it's 10%, don't Don't drain your bank account today, but hear the Lord because he knows. He knows what the number is. He knows what it is. And it's this thing that just empties you enough. And you're like, God, I got nothing left. I'm going to die. And he goes, okay, but you just gave. Watch this. And the window opens. And you feel that breath. All of a sudden, I've got that extra 12% more that I need to overcome that thing that I've been battling for the last three months in my life. Why? Because I gave. Because I believed him. Because I actually put my money where my mouth is. So I want to challenge you this morning, body. And listen, I wouldn't be saying this if it's not how Jenna and I live our life. We have walked this for the last 15 years of our life and, and walk in the goodness of God because of this trust. My challenge to you this morning, if you want to see the windows of heaven open over your life, if you want to stop dipping like this all the time, put that marker in there. Say, God, I'm giving you what it is that you want from me from my bank account because I trust you, because you created this thing that allows me to overcome with this silly wallet that's in my hands. That's ridiculous, but that's how it works. Father, today we say we just want to give it to you. We're not going to blame anybody else for our issues, our deficiencies. Father, nobody else can do this. Father, we're going to lay those things down at the altar. We're going to come to the altar and we're going to say, Lord, show me. Show me the steps. And then by faith, I will take those steps. So, Father, today I pray for a breakthrough in every single person's life in this room, that very thing right now, and you know what it is, that area that you needed to overcome, Father, we pray 
for an overcoming spirit to come right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let that fall upon each person in this room right now in Jesus' name. Bless you in Jesus' name.